Congregation, I would ask you now to please turn once again your prayerful attention to that passage of God's holy word that I read to you there in the Gospel of Luke in the chapter 12 that I read to you in your hearing earlier. In seeking the Lord's gracious guidance and enabling this evening to minister his word, I want us to consider this parable of this wealthy farmer or this rich farmer, or this farmer that was greatly prospered one year, who had an abundance of fruit. And the Lord said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And I feel this is a very fitting passage of Scripture to consider on the precipice of a new year. This man thought he would live to see another day. He thought he would live to see another year. And the Lord would give him further increase. But the Lord had to admonish him. And it comes on the backdrop of a man coming up to the Lord Jesus after he has been speaking about the fact that his disciples will suffer persecution in this world. He has been warning about the leaven of the Pharisees, about false teachers. He's also been teaching on how precious even the very hairs of the head of his people are to our Father which is in heaven. And how they are not to worry or to be overly concerned because he will provide even the necessary grace and the words to speak in the hour of tribulation. We have heard of St. Polycarp this afternoon and how that man indeed would not deny Christ. An early first century believer who would not forsake the Lord Jesus Christ and he was given words in his last hour that he would not deny his Lord. His treasure was in heaven. And I wonder this evening where your treasure is, my friend. As I must ask myself that very same question, where is my treasure? For the Lord tells us, does he not in Matthew, where your treasure is, there your heart also is. Where are our affections? Where are our thoughts this night? Are we a saved man? A saved boy? A saved girl? A saved woman? Are we the Lord's people? Are we ready to face a new day, let alone a new year? We don't know what one day is going to bring forth. I want us to see this evening three things about this man. He was a dissatisfied man. The man that comes up to him and he asks that the Lord Jesus Christ be arbitrator over his father's will. His brother doesn't seem to want to divide the inheritance. And the Lord thus gives a parable of a rich farmer on the backdrop of that problem. A man comes up to the Lord Jesus and look at verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, the Lord Jesus has been speaking about the most profound things. Things about eternity. 
things about death and serving God and where your heart is, who you're going to deny in this world. He's been speaking about how those who love the Lord will be brought even before magistrates and rulers and powers. These are solemn things. And yet all this man in the crowd could think about is his possessions. It shows that this man is not thinking about things of eternity, that he is thinking about things of the here and now, which we can't take with us. Paul tells us, we brought nothing into this world. And it's sure that we can leave with nothing. Therefore, with food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And I ask you that question. Are you content? But you'll only really be content if you have the Lord. If you don't have the Lord, you live an empty life. A life of, as we'll see, firstly, dissatisfaction. This man was dissatisfied with his life. He wanted more. We think of the prodigal son, don't we? Who asked for his father's inheritance. You know that parable. And the father gives him all his inheritance, even before he dies. He gives him a great number of things, and he, he goes off and he lives a riotous life. Well, he was still dissatisfied, wasn't he? Even though he had all those things. And it's a reminder, no matter how much we acquire in this world, friends, we'll never really be satisfied unless we have God. Unless we do as that prodigal son came to his right mind by the grace of God. We'll see, first of all, a dissatisfied man. And then we'll see a disillusioned man. The fact that, as he points to the parable of the rich farmer, he says, I have much goods. Take ease, thou hast many years. And wealth can give us a sense of strength that we have many days. And this is a warning, dear friends, in Scripture, that we can take comfort and not just solace, but we, we can build confidence in riches. And riches can vanish in an instant. You see, people have even gambled their money on the stock markets. It's something a Christian should never do. We should be content with the things that God has given us. So we'll see a disillusioned soul, the very fact that you have money and even health. Health can be something that disillusions you. You think you're always going to be healthy, but you're not always going to be healthy. And then all of that leads to a damned soul. There is destruction. This night, thou fool, thy soul is required of thee. So we want to see this evening, just very briefly, these three things. And 
we could say a, a whole lot more on the, the subject matter. But let me say first of all, regarding this dissatisfied soul, you notice this man comes up, the great man in the company, one in the company says, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. This was on his mind right while the Lord has been preaching about the very fact that we could be swept away at any moment. And I want to ask, maybe you've been here in the preaching sermon, through the sermons throughout the year, and maybe reflect on, in your own mind, where's your mind been when we've been preaching such weighty matters? And that ought to be a great alarm, my friend, to you. The fact that if you've not been thinking about eternity, you've not been thinking about really what makes a life, and you've not been thinking about the things of God, and you've been taken up with this world and what you might attain and what you might do after the service, what you might do the rest of the week, ought to be an alarm bell in your soul saying you are not concerned about these things. You don't value them. We have that Psalm 90, that older psalm, Psalm of Moses. We sang it this morning. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Now you number things that you value. You number your money, don't you? You count your children. You count things that are really of worth. Moses says, so teach us to number our days. Do you realize our days are numbered? They really are. You number something, you, you not only prize it, but you, you make the most of it. Teach us to number our days. How should you live your days? Well, Solomon tells us, this is man's all, that he fear God and he keep his commandments. To fear God is to know God. It's, it's the highest privilege afforded to a man to know God. Uh, to, as Job says, acquaint thyself now with God and be at peace with him. To know that peace that is only through Jesus Christ. God cannot be known apart from the Savior, the Lord Jesus. And my friend, let me say, there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And Jesus Christ, the very creator of the world, is speaking in this passage here, Luke chapter 12, and he is warning that there is coming a day that he is able and he is the one lawgiver who is able to save and is able to destroy and he himself will cast souls into hell. And that's a solemn thing. He has power. All authority has been given him. And he will come, he has said. Behold, the Son of Man shall come upon the clouds of glory. And we do not know whether he may come this next year. We don't know. We don't know what is on tomorrow. This man in this parable... Yet to say he was a fool. 
because he was, he was banking on tomorrow. He was banking on another day, on another season, on another opportunity. But friends, our time here is determined by God. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And Christ truly is the wisdom of the Bible. And to live a life is to live a life in Christ. To follow what he says, remember what he says at the close of the Sermon on the Mount. The blessed is the man that hears my word and does it. He is likened unto a man that builds his house upon a rock. And when the great storm of God's judgment comes down, that house, that man shall stand. It will not be so for many who have heard and have not applied and not done the word of God in their life. This man was not only dissatisfied, not only was he disillusioned, but he was finally damned. Damned forever. Now I know it's only a parable here, but we don't just say it's only a parable. Because the parable, it's a picture. The reality is always far greater than the picture, isn't it? We think of the parables, they're images. And the images portray something far greater than the reality. The, the Bible speaks of hell as being a place of endless fire. It speaks of anguish and pain. Now, if only it were fire. If only it were torments. But fire is used to describe the pain of hell because it is said that fire is probably one of the most painful experiences that we can experience to our body. Now, I'm sure you've all been burnt. But it will be the endless burning of conscience and troubled soul in a lost eternity where men and women would have remembered sermons that they came under as they heard the mighty word of God proclaimed and they heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ uttered by the preacher as it was read from the pulpit. And you'll never forget these words. And in this passage here, he warns the very fact that there will come a day of judgment. So firstly, let us consider this man, he had a dissatisfied soul. We're switching now from the man in the company. Remember, he had an issue with his brother who wouldn't divide the inheritance. Lord Master, speak to my brother. He even calls the Lord Jesus Christ Master. He has a certain respect for the Lord Jesus. And it may even be for you. You have a certain respect for the Lord Jesus. But my dear friend, you know, there are many people that can show an outward respect, but completely have no respect inwardly for Christ. This master who's going to speak this parable cannot lie. He does not lie. He never lies. He tells the truth. He's not any 
other master. He is the king of heaven, the creator. He was given this parable. All things were made by him and for him. And without him, nothing was made that was made, says John. And he says to him, man who made me a judge or a divider over you. He's effectively saying, this is not my business. Christ's kingdom is not of this world. Yes, there are judges and arbitrators. And sometimes, let me say this, in this life, things aren't always going to be fair. And sometimes things will be withheld from you. And for very good reason. The Lord knoweth what need we have. Sometimes riches can destroy us. And sometimes things withheld are blessings in disguise. Riches can bring great trouble. Let me say, young men and young ladies, maybe you're looking for work in the next year. Don't ask for the highest paying job. Don't seek that which will give you the most prestige in the world or your friends will admire, but ask for the safest and the best job where you will be able to serve the Lord with all of your heart, where temptations will not continually come before you and you will be able to honor the master. The psalmist says, give me neither poverty nor riches. He doesn't want poverty so that he steals. He wants to avoid theft or riches. And he says, I have no need for God. That was the, the case of this, uh, uh, certainly of this man in the parable. He has no need of God. He has great riches. Take ease, my soul. That was many years and so on. Now, notice as he addresses the man in verse 14, he said unto them, now he is addressing the crowd, he's taking the illustration from this man, the man's attitude, all he's been thinking about while Christ has been speaking about persecution and trouble and a world, by the way, that is going to end. And in a world in which we don't know how many days we've got to live in, he says, take heed and beware of covetousness. If you turn to Colossians, chapter 3, I want you to notice the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Colossian church, he says in verse 5 of chapter 3, mortify therefore your members. He's here speaking about the members of our body, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and now notice, and covetousness, which is idolatry. My friends, you do not need to belong to a false religion to be an idolater. Covetousness is idolatry. Will you put your desires above everything else? Will you put your desires and your wants above God? When those things have your supreme affection, when that's what you live for. And that was the case in this man here. He was living for this inheritance. 
So preoccupied was he with his inheritance, he, he gave no thought to the things that Christ was speaking about. But his life will soon be taken from him. And here it is in the case of the farmer. And he spake a parable unto them. Verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Now it's God, isn't it? That provides all things. God provides. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Not to say that he doesn't own the cattle on a thousand and one hill. He owns all the cattle. It's a euphemism to say that God owns everything. He owns all the hills of the world. He owns everything in this world. Everything is from him. And by Jesus Christ, all things consist. And my friend, here's the lesson. Matthew 6, the Lord said, not to worry. If God so clothed the grass of the field and the beasts of the field, and, and gives them all that they need. How much more will he provide? And the Lord provided here for this farmer plentifully. But here's where he went wrong. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now I want you to notice uh, in the first place here, all of these eyes and mys. Can you see it? Verse 16 to 19. It's uh, quite striking, isn't it? And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. Everything is I, my, me, myself, and I. He's got more than he needs. But he's still thinking about himself. Now, what is the problem? The problem is, he does not serve God. That's the root of it. So what does he do? He serves himself. And this is the, the problem of lost humanity. This is the problem of the lost soul. This was the problem right back in the Garden of Eden when Satan tempted Eve. If you take of this, you shall be as God. And Eve started to think within herself, well, I, I can be as God. And it was fueling pride, and that's all this man is living for, his pride and his pleasure. And this is just covetousness which is, as we read, idolatry. Yes, you see, you don't have to belong uh, to some weird and wacky religion of this world, but just the religion of self, to be a lost man, to be an idolater. You idolize self. And in fact, I could show you if we had all the time here this afternoon, and we certainly don't, but I could show you that the religions of this world, they're all idolatrous because they serve self anyway. And it's you earning merit with God and you doing certain things so that God will do certain things for you and so on. Well, my friends, the God of the Bible provides richly and freely for all of his people. Don't you see it? He has provided for this wealthy farmer. 
He's had much, but where has his thanks been? And that's where I must begin. You see, if you do not have a thankful heart, you forget the giver, and you'll idolize self. Now I ask you, when you rise up in the morning, do you thank God for a good night's sleep, for food on the table? This is where you must begin, that he is the very one who is giving you breath, life, health. He's put you in a country where you are provided with so many things and so many blessings. He's put you in a church that I hope and trust that preaches the truth. But do you thank him? Because if you don't, you will idolize yourself and you'll say, I have done this. I have this and I can do that. I can do this tomorrow. Whereas you don't know because it is God that gives you every day, my friend, is a gift from God. And you are merely kept by him. It is only by his forbearance that he has not let you slip into a, a hell, a lost eternity. It's only by God's forbearance that you are kept today. And you see, the Christian life is so different to this dissatisfied life. Because a Christian realizes he deserves nothing. Nothing at all. And anything he gets is such a blessing. And he's so thankful. My, I've met some dear Christians in my life. You wouldn't know they have very little by their attitude. But it's because they're constantly looking to the giver and thanking the giver for all that they have. And that is the key to their contentment. Their contentment is in God and realizing that they don't deserve anything. My friend, if you have been successful in business, thank God and be humbled at it. He's given you the brains. Yes, even the work ethic. A bad work ethic is an evil thing. The Bible says, if a man work not, let him not eat. But if a man work hard, you must reward him. The laborer is worthy of his hire. And even that is a gift from God. Everything is from God. Where do all these good principles come from? They come from God. And maybe even a family that's raised you up in good things. Now we must hasten. So we see this man dissatisfied. I will build, I will build. Rather, he should have thought, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his mercies toward me? But that's not this man. And there, he's disillusioned because he has much and he builds bigger barns. And he says to his soul, 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 thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. My friend, you can look at a big barn, a big strong barn. And let me tell you this, the heart is so deceived that we can look at a structure at a building and we can almost have assurance that we're going to live to see tomorrow to enjoy the things that we have. But that can be taken away as God takes you away. 
you must soon part from these things of this world. Your life, James says, is but a vapor. That's all it is. You see that steam come out of the kettle? It's there one minute and then the next minute it's gone. That is your life, says James. Come now, ye that say today, let us go there, here, buy, sell, get, gain. Whereas you know not what the morrow brings. You don't know, as I don't know. So a disillusioned soul. And the Lord says to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Our times are not in our hands. The psalmist says, My times are in thy hand. We don't know. We don't know. It's the most foolish thing to think. We have another day. Whereas we don't know. How long we have at all. Are we like this? I'll give you a few reasons why people are like this. Firstly, covetousness. By nature, people are never satisfied. Something else, unsaved people have a wrong view of what makes a life. They're constantly going off to the next thing, to the next thing. Things don't make for a life. God makes for a life. There's an empty void in every soul that has not God. The heart is never satisfied. The eye is never filled. It's never pleased. The ear is never filled, says Solomon. Something else, unsaved people live like this because they live presumptuously, not knowing what is on the morrow. And they say, like the man at verse 19, I will say unto my soul, he's convincing his soul, trying to convince his soul, thou hast much goods. Well, what will the goods do you if you die? What will the goods do you? He should have been thinking, how can I help others with the goods that I have? His heart was in the wrong place. He wasn't laying up treasure in heaven. He was living for himself. And he says, take ease, eat, drink, be merry. Yeah, well, tomorrow you die. In fact, even tonight you die. We think, don't we, there in the book of Daniel, of those words, miny, miny, tickle, you fasten. You found wanting, weighed in the balances, and wanting. But so many souls, even tonight, they have no riches toward God. They've lived for themselves. They've never, they're in great debt with God. Have no forgiveness of sins, no peace with God. The life is not right. Remember Simon, the sorcerer. Peter had to admonish him. Thou art in the gall of bitterness. And thy soul is not right with God. He wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit to pilfer more money from people. Had he not done enough damage to people's souls? Covetousness. 
Another reason people are like this is called selfishness. Look what the Lord says in verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. He did it for himself, didn't he? Not for God. Not for others. There's a question. Who do you live for? Do you live for self, my friend? Well, you'll be cursed. You'll be damned. You'll be lost. I must warn you. These are not pleasant words to say. But my gentle Lord Jesus warns us all, lay not up treasures here, friend, on earth, where moth and rust corrupt, and you can't take things with you. You could meet God very soon, sooner than you think. You cannot serve God or mammon. At the same time, one must be master. I'll tell you this. If you serve God, he'll give you all that you need. And he'll bless you in the coming year. If he spare you. But if you don't serve him, you never see the light of his glory. But you will see his wrath and it'll prove you were always a lost person. You never loved the Lord. You never saw yourself as bankrupt before him, and hell deserving. But let me say this, Christ Jesus died for guilty people like Zacchaeus, who lived for himself. And that man had a changed heart, didn't he? Came down from that tree and repaid fourfold all that he'd ever stolen and taken from people. And the Lord blessed him. Went home a saved man. Well, the Lord saved sinners. But those who love this world will perish with this world. John asked to write, My little children, flee from idols. Flee from idolatry. This world, my friend, is passing. The Lord could come sooner than we think, or we may meet him in our last hour, very soon. Are we ready to meet the Lord? Will he call us a fool, or have we been made wise unto salvation by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who does he receive? My friend, people that have lived like this farmer, People that have lived for themselves. But you know what? He makes them to see that this world is empty. That it's passing. It's a far better world that they will enjoy. And this world is far better with God in our life than without God in our life. Talk to the Christian. See how happy they are. See their contentment. You will never find happiness without God. But finally it will be misery. Endless damnation without God. May God have mercy 
upon our souls. Amen.